Hey everyone, this is T-Roll, the host of the Campus Outreach Podcast. We're taking a break from our normal podcast over the summer, and instead we'll be posting audio versions of various talks that were given at our beach project from earlier this summer. If you are interested in viewing the video form of the following message, please go to cobirmingham.org forward slash campus talks to find all of our talks from this year's beach project. Thanks so much and enjoy today's talk. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just will forgive us, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then now we'll be in James 5, 16. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. for reading that, Lissa, and thank you guys for the uh, the warm welcome. Uh, I know I'm known as the parking guy to some people. I ran into, uh, I was playing basketball with someone last night, and, he, and I was like, hey, my name's Joel. He's like, you're the parking guy, aren't you? Well, tonight I'm going to be the porn guy, okay? So, All right, so, hey, this is just to give a little disclaimer about tonight, okay? Okay, so obviously, this is a really serious topic, okay? Uh, but the, the conversation that we're about to have, I'm going to have with you guys, is, is not to make you feel really bad about, um, even talk about how bad porn is or how guilty you should feel. Um, it is bad. It is sinful. Um, I mean, we've been in a pandemic um, you know, with COVID, but we're in the midst of a pandemic with pornography. So, um, but th- this talk is not going um, to be to make you feel get, um, bad or guilty or um, even just to talk about some of the, the negative impacts of pornography. Um, but here's what um, I think um, I want to spend the most time on tonight. Okay, I think most of us have a very... Um, you know, a clear understanding that yes, porn is a really big deal. It is very, uh, very much an issue of this generation, this age, your friends. Um, everyone at some point or another has struggled with this. But um, I think we all have a very confusing relationship with pornography, sexual sin, any unwanted sexual behavior. I think we have a very um, confusing relationship because on, on one hand, I think a lot of you know it's bad, long to be free, uh, or you long to help others be free, um, but yet you still struggle with this sin and this, this issue. Um, and I, I think a lot of you can really relate to what Paul says in um, Romans 7 here. He says, um, the Apostle Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I mean, right? 
don't we connect to that that verse in some way? It's just we desire. You know, I don't understand the things that I do. I do not do what I want. I do the very thing I hate. Um, when I was ten years old, um, I was ten years old when um, I was introduced to pornography for the first time. As a as a ten year old, fourth or fifth grade. I remember vividly, I was upstairs in my, one of my friends, um, upstairs kind of uh, office areas behind closed doors, and um, he opened up a, well, yeah, he, he logged onto a computer, got into a chat room, and that was my first experience um, looking at pornography. And it was, at first there was this huge adrenaline rush, right, this huge excitement drilling rush. Something felt uh, very life-giving. And then at the, the exact same moment, I also felt incredibly anxious and incredibly guilty. Um, and it was really the first, I mean, I was thinking about it, and it was really the first adrenaline rush that I felt like I needed to hide. It was the first time in my life where something really, um, you know, just rushed through my body and excitement rushed through my body that I had no idea how to process. And, um, you know, I had always shared the things that I got excited about. First A on a test, first time you hit, hit the ball in baseball, the first three-pointer, um, you know, the first time a girl wrote me back, you know, fifth grade or, I don't know, second grade, I don't know when I, I don't even know when you write letters anymore. But, um, you yeah, know, but pornography, watching pornography was different, right? Um, my friend told me that day, he said, don't tell my parents, don't tell your parents, don't tell anyone. And honestly, um, I thought about it, it's like for the next 10 years, I didn't tell anyone and continue to struggle with, um, that was the gateway for me, that was the entrance um, and continue to struggle with the, the cycle of hiding and looking at porn and um, doing the very thing I did not want to do. Um, and so my guess is that many of you can relate to that, that story. Um, you were introduced to pornography or um, by a friend or a, maybe you ran into something, but you want to stop looking at pornography or maybe struggling with another form of sexual sin or unwanted sexual desire and... Uh, but continue to do the, the very things that you you hate and you don't want to do or that you know is wrong. And so my greatest desire for you guys tonight um, is that you no longer would feel alone in the confusion. Um, and in fact, I know that you're not alone. Um, 42 uh, billion um, people on one website look at pornography every year. That's 115 million clicks a day on this one website. Um, and if it wasn't even more um, specific, um, there's some statistics from the Freedom Fight, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, but um, they interviewed and surveyed 1,200 Christian college students that were involved with a campus ministry, very much like Campus Outreach, and 90% of the men and 50% of the women looked at pornography on a weekly or monthly basis. I mean, 90 and 50%. Uh, and so you might feel alone, but you are not alone. 
you are not alone, and uh, there is hope. And um, here's what I'll say. Many people think that the opposite of um, addiction is sobriety, okay? Many people think that the opposite of addiction is sobriety and just to cut it off. But as you see on the screen, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. So if you don't miss anything, if you miss everything else tonight, write this down, okay? Um, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. And to experience freedom from pornography or any unwanted sexual behavior, you must experience connection with God and connection with others by living in the light, okay? And so we'll talk about living in the light here. I just got three points, and then um, um, we'll, we'll continue on with the night. But um, my hope is that this is really um, fruitful to kind of help you understand what, what does it look like to live in the light? What does connection look like? And so it begins with confessing to God. Okay, and confessing to God leads, what this leads to, what, what fruit this bears is it's fellowship and forgiveness. Okay, so fellowship and forgiveness. And so here's what I know about sin. Okay, and Justin said this this morning. Here's what we know about sin is that sin only grows in the dark. Sin only grows in the dark. And walking in light, what walking in, in the light means is it means to be honest with God and to confess um, that you are weak, sinful, and need help. That's what walking in the light means. It means to confess that you're weak, sinful, and need help. Um, here's, here's what I know to be true about myself, and I remember this, middle school, high school, college. Um, one of the biggest fears that keeps us from living in the light is that we have a fear that if we come into the light, if I come into the light, if you come into the light, um, if we come out of the shadows, what we'll experience is condemnation and disgust. That is one of your biggest fears and what keeps you in the shadows. And 1 John 7 through 9, this is what this is what Jesus or this is what John says, God's word says. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so here's what this, this passage says. I want you to look at it, and you'll see this as I, as I kind of share, okay? Um, God invites you to walk into the light because that is where he is. He is in the light. That's what it says, as he is in the light. And so in the light is where he is, and where he is, we experience grace. That is where you experience grace and forgiveness. And um, if you do not walk in the light, you can't have fellowship. You can't have intimacy with God. But if you walk in the light, you can experience true fellowship with him and true forgiveness. Um, and so what I hope is that verse 9 there sticks out to you and really sinks deep into your heart. Write this verse down, 1 John 1, 9. 
and I want you to meditate on it. Um, it says, if you confess your sins to God, that you are weak, and that you need a Savior, um, He promises to forgive you. He promises to make you clean. And so, some of you are probably like, well, how does God forgive me? Why is, why is God's face not discussed? Like, why is the expression on his face not discussed when he thinks of me? And, um, and it's just simple, because Christ already paid for your sins. And, but he already paid for the sins of God's children, right? It's like, so if you have put your faith in Jesus, and you confess your sin, God looks at you as if you've never sinned. And not only does he look at you as if you've never sinned, but he looks at you as if you've done everything right. You've been perfect and pure and holy. And so, um, but John tells us to confess, you know, so we experience healing. Uh, I think most of us, this is what I think most of us believe the best way to stop looking at porn is, is to just to try to stop harder and what happens is we get caught in what's called the binge purge cycle, okay? So I'm going to walk you through this real quick. Um, binge. So this is from the Freedom Fight. Um, we'll talk a little bit more too. But basically, you know, we, we binge on pornography. And this basically this just begins by acting out, by looking at porn, by, you know, doing some sort of unwanted sexual behavior. And... What happens right after, very much like me when I was 10, you know, immediately experience this guilt, this shame. And so you, you start to feel this, this weight, this, this sense of like, I am an awful person. Um, and here's, when it comes to porn, here's, here's what I'll say. Is Satan is a master at um, deceiving you, but he's also a master at accusing Okay, so here's the two things. This is how Satan. This is how Satan deceives you. You're, you're alone at night, and you, the laptop is up, or you're on your phone, and Satan whispers in your ear. He says, "It won't matter. Just this one time. It, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not gonna. You know, it's not gonna hurt you. It's not gonna hurt anyone." He deceives you. And then immediately when you give in to sin and you, begin, you give in to looking at porn, um, what does he do? He flips it from deceiving to accusing. He says, you are awful. God does not love you. That you are worthless. Am I right? Like, Satan is a master at accusing and a master at deceiving. And so then what happens is you move to this Purge. So you say something along the lines of, I'll never do this again, right? How many of you have said that in some way? I'll never do this again. This can be porn, this can be drinking, this can be any sort of sin. We have all said that, right? I'll never do this again. Um, and you might set up some really strong boundaries. And boundaries are good. Boundaries are great. They, they can keep someone for, not sober for a time, but if you don't address, hear this, if you don't address the underlying root issues of the problem, you will fall into it again. And you'll be stuck in this cycle 
So you'll, you'll purge for a while and then you'll fall into it. And then you'll binge and you'll feel guilty and shame. And you might even say, well, I've already looked at it. I might as well spend a few days binging. Um, and then the guilt and shame layers on even more. And then you just unknowingly are just caught in this cycle. And so what does it look like to um, break the cycle? Okay, what does it look like to disrupt um, the cycle by addressing some of the triggers and some of the roots of the addiction? So we looked at the idol tree last night. How do you get to the roots of pornography? Okay, that's what I'm going to talk about right now. Um, A lot of people skip this step, but this is important. Begin with curiosity. Okay, begin with curiosity. Let me ask you a question. What if, what if when you fell into sin, you saw um, it as an opportunity not just to try harder, but to slow down and be curious about what it was that triggers you to look at pornography in the first place, to sleep with your boyfriend in the first place, to do some sort of unwanted sexual behavior in the first place? What if you slowed down? Because here's what I know. Here's what I know about porn, okay? Watching porn is always about something deeper than watching porn. Watching porn is always about something deeper than watching porn. So ask yourself, what are the triggers? What are the things that lead to you looking at pornography? And so there might be some really obvious triggers. There might be some things that you need to remove out of your life that trigger you to look at pornography. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's a sexualized show on Netflix or Prime. Um, maybe it's an app. Maybe it's um, something else. Uh, maybe it's something really obvious. But maybe it's also less obvious. Maybe um, the tr- what's triggering you to go to pornography is anxiety. Anxiety is a huge trigger to look at pornography. I was just talking on the phone with someone last week that was uh, not here and we were and they had just gotten taken a test and they were starting to feel really anxious about the test and what happened is they they fell into pornography and so in that moment anxiety triggered this this sense of um, you know desiring to look at pornography and so maybe it's something else like a sense of loneliness or even feeling rejected Okay, the, the thing that I, I feel like is I look back on my, um, my experience before like um, the war, I felt like God had really given me some freedom from it. Um, the thing that I really felt was like when I felt rejected or I felt lonely, that's when I looked at pornography. That's when I turned to pornography. And why? I'm like, why is that the case? And then it, it kind of dawned on me somewhere around when I was about your age. The, the women and men in pornography never say no. They never reject you. They never um, turn you away. They never turn you down. And they say the exact same thing that you, your heart's really longing for. I want you and I love you. I mean, that's what, that's what you hear in pornography. Um, that's what you hear from your boyfriend or your girlfriend. That's what you hear. That's what your heart is longing to hear. And so instead of simply making a vow to stop looking at porn, graciously 
kindly, gently ask yourself this question. What triggered me to go here? What triggered me? What was my heart really longing for in that moment? What was my heart really longing for? And if you don't know, a great prayer is this one from Psalm uh, 139, 23. It's a prayer I pray a lot. God, search me. God, know my heart. Show me if there's any way in my, my heart that I need to see. Is there any sin that I need to repent of? Um, and so let that, let that longing and the thing that is triggering you actually be a part of the confession to God. Instead of just jumping straight to confession, slow down and be curious and then confess to God. So the next little thing there is, is confess to God. Um, Psalm 51, David writes um, a lot of the Psalms and he blew it one day and slept with another man's wife. And this is the Psalm that he wrote after um, he slept with her, um, after he God convicted him of his sin. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, and so David, what, what he's asking for, he's asking for God to work in his heart. He's not just saying, trying to get something off of his chest to check off the, the box that I can, he confessed it to God. He's asking God to, to do heart surgery on him. And to create in him a new heart. And so as you are, um, as you come to understand what's underneath the surface and what triggers you, bring that to God. Bring that to God. Um, this, is a, this, is a, this is an example prayer of something that I would, I would very regularly pray. Um, God, I confess that I'm anxious. God, I confess that I'm lonely. I'm longing for connection and love, and I'm trying to find intimacy outside of you, and it's false intimacy. Forgive me for watching a show that I know will lead me to acting out. Forgive me for watching a show that I know um, I'm going to uh, lust after someone in the show, um, or that will lead me to look at pornography. Um, help me to find all my satisfaction in you, God, create in me a clean heart. Uh, so after you, you confess your sin um, to God, remember, you, you need to remember the gospel. This is, you guys, some of y'all looked at the Repent, Believe, Fight yesterday. It's in your little booklet. Um, remember the gospel. Believe the gospel. And so through Christ, God forgives you. And um, you know, our deepest longing is to be fully known and fully loved by God. That's, that's your deepest longing is to be fully known and fully loved. And in the gospel, that is true. God fully knows you. He fully knows you. Every sin you've ever done and will do, and yet he fully loves you. And he shows that to you in the person of Jesus. And so God invites us to walk in the light because that's where we experience his love. That's where you experience his forgiveness and the opposite of addiction is what it's not sobriety it's connection um, and so point number two living in the light so what does it look like to live in the light okay so we talked about confessing to God and then the second thing is to confess to others what does it lead to what is what's the fruit that confessing others leads to it leads to 
healing is what um, James says. And so um, our biggest problem, uh, one of our biggest problems is that we treat pornography, we treat sexual sin um, like a private problem with a private solution. That's how we treat pornography. We treat it like a private problem with a private solution. Um, but John tells us, he says, if we say we sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But when we confess it, God forgives us. And James says something really similar right here. He says, um, if you therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for someone for one another that you may be healed. Okay? So, imagine for a second, you're this... This is a forest fire in California, and it's probably more than likely been started by a small campfire that kind of got out of control, and here we are. Imagine going to Walmart tonight, buying a squirt gun, and you're standing in front of this ginormous fire, like spraying it with a squirt gun. Like, just imagine yourself doing that. Is that fire going out? All right, what do you need more of? More water, right? Yes. But you also need more people, right? A forest fire doesn't go out from one person. It takes lots of strategy, lots of recruiting other people to help firefighters. You know, if you see you know, them fighting forest fires this summer in California, you'll see buckets of water jump, dropped out of helicopters. There'll be people on all, you know sides trying to do controlled burns and spray out the, you know, with gallons and millions of gallons of water, basically. It takes more people. Um, and if you think pornography is a private problem with a private solution, you've deceived yourself, okay? You have deceived yourself. That's what First John says. And, um, but like a wildfire, here's what porn does. It, is it not only destroys uh, your relationship with God, it destroys your relationship with your neighbor. Um, we talked about marriage this morning. Pornography addiction is not something that you want to bring into a marriage. Um, it's the number one, it's like got to be the number one cause of a lot of divorce. You know, everyone, it's not the only cause of divorce, but it um, generally is happening simultaneously with almost every divorce. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this, but, um, Here's what James tells us. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another that you may be healed. And I know that this is really scary. For a lot of you in the room, that's something you have never done before. You have never really confessed that you have a problem with this. And I get it. That's a really normal fear to have. Like, that's scary to, to bring something into the light and to share it with um, a trusted person. Um, but it's also self-defeating. Not, not doing that is self-defeating. And freedom's found in community. That's what this verse says. It's like, that's what the Bible talks about. That's why you guys are all here. It's like, you desire community. And if you want freedom from sin, freedom from addiction, you need other people. You need community. And um, if you're wondering, like, why, is, why are we singling out pornography tonight, you know, because it's so hard, Justin said this morning, like, it is so hard to get free from this stuff, and you know why it's so hard? Because less than 
less than 10% of Christians uh, who have a, a porn addiction are actually seeking help. Less than 10%. Um, and so, let me ask, answer the question, all right? Okay, well, if I were to overcome this and get some courage up and confess to someone, who, who, would, who should I confess it to? How should I go about that, okay? Um, let me ask you a question, like, think about your own life. Who do you trust? Who is a godly man if you're a man or a godly woman if you're a woman that you really trust and that you believe to be a righteous person? Um, Someone that is uh, seeking to grow, to um, build relationships with others and lead. Um, Someone who has biblical wisdom um, and insight and is able to preach the gospel. Um, So who do you trust? Find a godly man or woman that... um, you trust and how do you go about it well let me give you a little bit of a comparison so when you confess to God you're repenting of sin when you confess to someone else you're not repenting of sin you're not apologizing for something you've done to them uh, unless that's um, who you committed sin against Um, but you're actually just inviting them to walk alongside you you're inviting them to be a part of your life and to, to care for you um, and support you. And so um, when someone confesses, like if you're the person that someone's confessing to, um, this is really quickly, this is just a few little quick points, but um, if someone were to come to you tonight or next week or next year and say, hey, I'm struggling with pornography and I'm struggling with um, this relationship with this guy or girl and Things have gotten too far. Um, respond with empathy. Here's how you respond. So you respond with empathy, not advice. If you're a leader in this room, this is where you take notes. Respond with empathy, not advice. Um, you um, pray with them. Offer to pray for pray for them. Offer accountability, and not just offer accountability. Actually, give it to them. Like follow through with something you've said that you would do and then I think the last thing is you help them understand what's going on what's the root underneath this don't get so focused on the fruit don't get so focused on the top of the tree focus on the the heart level stuff alright last thing and then I'll be done Um, so we talked about confessing to God and confessing to others the opposite of sobriety is not the opposite of addiction is not sobriety it's connection with God and with others and so you need to develop a plan, okay? So what does it look like to live in the light? Not Living the light is, here's what I'll say. Listen to this. This is not a one-time thing. You don't live in the light just one time. God uh, want, desires us to live in the light all the time. And you will drift. And so here's, here's a few tips of like how to continue to walk in the light, okay? Um, fast and pray. Don't underestimate the power of fasting and prayer, okay? Um, Giving up something that might lead you to sin, that would be a form of fasting. Maybe it's deleting Instagram. Maybe it's deleting an app on your phone. Maybe it's um, turning off your phone, period. Um, Fast and pray. Pray that God will heal you, deliver you from the evil one. Um, The second thing is we'll talk about more tomorrow night, I think meditate on and memorize scripture. Um, 
I didn't, yeah, I wrote down a couple of passages there. We looked at Psalm 51 together. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is a great one. Um, Ephesians 5, 3. Psalm 119, 9. Um, memorize verses that um, you connect with that are in God's word that will help you to fight. Um, and then the, the third thing on there is embrace accountability. Um, and, I, and I would say, this is where you need to get radical, okay? This is where you need to get radical. And um, as you let people into your life, ask them to hold you accountable. And not only ask them to say, hey, can you help me with this? Also give them specific questions to ask you. So accountability is twofold, okay? There's the confessional accountability. There's things that you're confessing to your, um, your friends that... Um, things that you've already done in the past, but there's also preventative accountability, things that are happening in the future. If you find yourself every time you go home to your, your parents' house, if that's, the, that's the moment where you fall into temptation the most. Tell someone before that um, happens. Use preventative accountability. Embrace accountability. Another way to embrace accountability is to download something um, there's a software app that literally every campus outreach staff has. It's called Covenant Eyes. And it's an internet filter that blocks pornography and um, is really helpful in having, and you basically connect accountability partners to it. And if you can't afford that, um, ask a CO staff member to pay for it for you. I, I pay for it for a number of people. Um, so, facts nine if you want to join my account. One of you, I would love to add you to my account. Uh, and pay for you. Um, and then uh, the last thing would be enable some screen time restrictions. We don't do this enough, okay? Everyone's on their iPhone all the time. Um, we need to put some limits on the time we spend on our phones. And Apple has created a really cool way where you can hand your phone to someone and get, make them type in a password and then set up some time limits on certain apps or even the windows of time you look at them. Um, get radical. This is the time to get radical. You're in college. Make these years count. Um, what you do now, the foundation that you have now will last um, for the rest of your life. Um, I'm a testament to it. Um, all right, so you see on here the freedom fight, okay? And this is um, something that I, um, CEO, we are really, we recognize that there's a massive need for resources um, to help um, train and equip uh, college men and women to experience freedom from pornography and also to help other people, okay? So I found this resource called Freedom Fight. It's a 30-day challenge. You can sign up for it. Um, all you gotta do, I want you guys to, anyone that's interested in getting free from this, or helping someone else, pull out your phone and do this QR code, um, and we tell you why, okay? What this is is a 30-day Bible study that consists of 10 minutes a day of helpful, biblical, clinical, um, and practical content to give you guidance on how to um, journey towards freedom and help others. So um, this is something that yeah, don't don't check out. If you are um, if you are free from this yourself, I guarantee you the person sitting next to you is not. And so I promise you, you will face 
this at some point in your leadership. You guys came here because you wanted to grow, connect, and lead. If you want to lead your generation, you're going to have to figure out how to help people with pornography because that is the thing that has taken more laborers out of the fight than anything. Um, and so, finally, the last thing I have on there is lead others. If you want to walk in the light, lead others. Um, and here's the truth. This is the last thing I'll say, okay? Because I know some of you are familiar with doing this. I'll close out after this. You may think that you cannot lead other people because you're, you're disqualified. You've been disqualified from leading other people. Um, you've been disqualified from sin. And Satan has, has convinced you that you can't share your faith, you can't disciple others, you can't help other people fight pornography addictions when you don't have it all together. And the gospel tells a different story, um, and leadership is not about having it all together. Leadership is not about having it all together. Um, it's about living in the light.